Welcome back to another episode of Authentic Influence. I'm your host, Adam Connor. First of all, thank you so much for tuning in today. If you're new to this community, this is a podcast all about how some of the most interesting and innovative brands out there are mobilizing their masses to become more authentic in their marketing. And today, I'm on with ThreadUp and their president, Anthony Marino. This is a really interesting brand, innovating a heck of a lot in the world of secondary clothing and consignment. We haven't gone into this too much on the podcast. It reminded me of the conversation that I had with Foot Locker's CMO, Jed Berger, last year, but it's clear from the enthusiasm in his voice that Anthony is really excited about the journey that he is currently on. And he better have been because he came from the Virgin Group. So learning from somebody like Sir Richard Branson and coming to be the president of ThreadUp is a really interesting journey. And to me, one that was not so obvious, but he made it clear in the conversation as well as all of the newest ways you can interact with the brand. I especially thought the way that Anthony came into contact with the brand was interesting. It was a journey that literally started in his kitchen. So stay tuned for that. I'll back away and let him give you all the goods. So without further ado, this is from ThreadUp, Anthony Marino. All right, everybody, I'm on with ThreadUp and specifically with Anthony Marino. Anthony, it was so great to have you on the show today. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. I can't wait to get into this topic specifically because I haven't spoken too much. uh, I haven't spoken to too many organizations quite like yours. I think the closest that I've gotten is I I spoke to Foot Locker last year and they were doing quite a bit because sneakers are huge on the secondary market. But I want to know all about the business and all about what you're doing to, to capture stories of happy consumers. But before we get to all of that, I have to start by asking about your journey uh, to today and, and maybe with where it all started. And also I'm going to throw in some forgiveness here. All right. Because with best friends and roommates of mine, having graduated from Deerfield, I'm told that I shouldn't be within earshot of anybody from Choate. All right. <laughs> but I can't fault you for that. And from yeah, your I, high school days, but my question I'll, has I'll, to do I'll, with I'll, thread up. Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, I'll try not to embarrass you or myself, but yeah, tell, <laughs> tell, your, tell your friends the love, the love goes right back to them. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> I was funny. I was talking to one of them. They're like, oh, you're talking to somebody from Chota. Anyway, happens all the time. But my question has to do more with ThreadUp, of course, and the opportunity to join the team. To use that old high school motto of yours, what is it about the fidelitas et integritas of sustainable industries like secondary apparel that interest you? Well, I, the, the true story is that this this whole adventure of, of joining ThreadUp started in my kitchen. Um, so back in 2013, I came home from a long day at work and stepped into our kitchen in our New York apartment. And there was a, a big, um, green and brown polka dot box on our kitchen table. And it was, a uh, an order from ThreadUp. And my wife was standing in the doorway and she sort of gestured toward the box and she said, take a look at that. And so I, you know, went up to the box and unwrapped this nice tissue paper that everything was wrapped in. And I said, oh, I said, that's a nice sweater. And it was a, it was a very nice, like a cashmere sweater. And she said, I got that for $29. And I said, great. And she said, it's a $250 sweater. And I said, whoa. And she said, it's used. And that kind of, I kind of paused and I was sort of like used by who? 
you know? <laughs> right. And, and so she said, no, she said, this is a company where you order something called a clean out bag. It's the thread up clean out bag. It's a big green polka dot bag about the size of a hamper. And you send in the clothing that you're no longer wearing and thread up then takes those things and they sell them on their website. And then they, send you money for the things they sell or they send you shopping credit if you want it to shop on ThreadUp. And and she said, I think you need to go work for this company. <laughs> really? And, and that was the that was the beginning. And a week or two later there was another ThreadUp box in the kitchen of our New York apartment. And uh, I was like, all right, I felt like the universe was telling me something. And then I went out to New Jersey to see my family to see my parents and I drove by a house and there was a thread up clean out bag, uh, kind of like on their front porch. And that's when I was like, okay. Um, and then I got connected to the, to the founder and CEO, James Reinhardt. And it's been, uh, almost seven years. Wow. That is a really interesting way of coming into it. I, uh, you know, funny enough, I was, um, I had a conversation with the, with a company that you probably are aware of called Roan, who are based in New York in December and their, their chief marketing officer, the, the, the opportunity to him very much knocked on his door sort of as well. Um, the people that were in his neighborhood, it's funny sometimes how those sort of stories work out. And I mean, that is so, okay. So let me back up and get this straight because let's, let's not forget and listeners, assuming you haven't done a, a robust look at Anthony's LinkedIn profile here. I mean, where you were coming from was a huge deal. I mean, you, you had founded Virgin Hotels Group and you saw these clothing boxes and were just inspired to join me. What, what, what did the, what specifically about the model in, inspired you? Because like, that seems like a pretty lofty perch to want to, to want to spread your wings from. Yeah. Thanks. I, I, it's, it probably sounds a little loftier than it was, but I think there were a couple things that were going through my head at, at the time. I think one was that when I met with the, the team at, at ThreadUp and, um, I'd flown out to California and met with James Reinhardt, the, the CEO and, and one of the co-founders. And we started to talk about the business. And, you know, I'd spent seven years working for Richard Branson at, at ThreadUp or the whole, at, at Virgin, where the whole formula is, you know, to sort of come into industries that have been kind of left for dead, you know, that have no sex appeal. Things like airlines, for example, you know, industries people love to hate and the Virgin formula was to kind of re-engineer the customer experience from the top down to build a brand that changed perception for what those industries were all about, but also to figure out ways to be profitable, you know, to really improve the economics uh, of businesses like airlines that had famously bad economics. And, you know, Richard became a billionaire in the airline business. And that's, um, I think, a big testament to the changes that Virgin made to how those businesses work and how they treat customers. And so when I looked at what ThreadUp was doing with secondhand or what they were trying to do with secondhand, it was right out of the Virgin playbook. It was like, how do we take this industry that's known for sort of dusty, musty stores where you can't really find what you're looking for, where it's hit or miss, and will it be on my sides or is the item stained or is it pilled? And do I really want to go into you know, a secondhand store. And, and ThreadUp's idea was to turn that whole thing on its head, was to remove all the friction 
for both people who wanted to get rid of the things in their closet they weren't wearing, as well as for the people who loved great deals and wanted to find those incredible branded items, um, branded apparel that could that they could look great in and feel good about and save a lot of money on. And so it was that it was as if all the work and all the time I'd spent at, at Virgin had been preparing me to come into an industry that was in a place and a time where it was ripe for, for a transformation by technology and data, where the customer experience probably hadn't been innovated on since Craigslist and eBay. And, uh, and then when it was the combination of that, plus the, the team and the energy and passion of the team behind this mission of inspiring a new generation of shoppers to think secondhand first, where it seemed like everything I've been working on for so much time in my career kind of came to this really unexpected, but almost natural crossroads to kind of bring it all together. Yeah, it sounds, and now that you explain it that way, it seems kind of obvious because you're right. I can't, well, I can't really think of the last time that I walked into a consignment shop. I have done it. And that experience that you just noted is exactly right. Yeah, and it's not even something that I thought of. And I'll tell you what wasn't obvious, though. Okay. <laughs> what wasn't obvious was that it was going to work, you know. Um, and and we had so much, you know, we were reminded so often by all the investors who turned us down that it might not work. And and the and the general feeling was, gosh, you know, first it was that people really want to buy secondhand clothing on the internet. I mean, is this really what 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 consumers want? And then it was. Hey guys, even if consumers do want this, can you ever make a profit at the item level where you have to take items that come in that are all different? You have to take pictures of them. You have to add descriptions of their size and material, take measurements because this is apparel. So people want to know, is it going to fit if they're going to buy it online? All of these things you have to do to all these unique individual items. You know, can you guys ever make this work? And I'll tell you that the vast, vast majority of people who we spoke to told us that it probably wouldn't work. And um, so the past seven years has been an incredible journey in really building an operations and logistics platform that can process, you know, we're, we're, we've already surpassed processing our hundred millionth unique item. Uh, and so we had to come up with a way to process items at, at scale, to, to price them uh, accurately so that when consumers would be shopping on ThreadUp.com or see our products on other sites or in, in a retail environment, that they'd be like, yeah, that makes sense that that's what that item should be worth. Because if it's, you know, if you price things really wrong, the consumer's like, these guys don't know what they're doing. You know, that they, they, it's just, and so you know, to, to transform the experience for shoppers of secondhand to be frictionless, to get the pricing right, the imagery, the descriptions, and to do it at major, major scale um, and, at, and at healthy unit profits was, was not obvious. And, you know, as I think back on it, a, a big part of kind of the virgin culture was, you know, Richard, he's kind of a rebel, you know, he loves to do things that, um, that people say won't work. And I think in spending six, seven years working for him, you know, I picked up a little bit of that from him and it can be very motivating to, you know, to sort of prove your critics wrong, especially when it's 
doing some good. So the, this idea that, um, you know, the world only has so many resources and that as consumers, you know, can we find ways to, to satisfy our, you know, our consumer instincts, but, you know, be conscious of the resources and the environment around us at the same time. And that, that opportunity to, to, um, you know, make a difference in something so fundamental as, you know, what people wear every day, uh, was, was very motivating, you know, and I think that got us as a team and as an organization, as a, as a culture within the organization through lots of times when, uh, we faced lots of doubts, but, uh, you know, you never, um, Hopefully you never let those doubts get to you too much. They do from time to time, but usually only in the middle of the night and then you wake up and everything feels better. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. Or it keeps you up. Yeah, um, I understand that. Well, that's fascinating, by the way, to, to just hear that whole thing. And um, I'm sure there, there were plenty of times where you were sort of wondering, like, is this going to go? Is this not? Gosh, awful lot of people are saying it might not. But you seem to have found something here. And with 100 million unique items being processed, it's clear that there's a good bit of scale to be assessed as well. And my next sort of questions or what I want to explore a little bit are the folks that you have brought into the community through these 100 million pieces of clothing. Folks who are either, let's say, cleaning out their own closets for things that are still nice that they want to pass on, or folks who are looking for that 25 or $27 cashmere sweater. Um, I suppose from a marketing standpoint and from a just audience building standpoint, how, how do you capture those experiences or how does the brand go through capturing those experiences of, of either the, the buying or the selling that consumers are now able to do in ways that they maybe hadn't been able to do through ThreadUp? The, the best marketing is a great consumer experience. So I think, you know, particularly in the, in the early days and, you know, look to, and today I come back to this, I've post-it notes all over my, my desk at home, reminding me of like the basic principles of, you know, when a customer comes to thread up and they come to the site and they see that amazing damn on Furstenberg wrap dress for $49 instead of. $250 and they put it in, you know, they put it in their cart, they buy it. The website's quick and accurate. A few days later it arrives, they open up the box. The item is like new and they sort of unfurl it, you know, from that box the same way my, my wife did for me the first time around in, in the kitchen in New York. And in that moment, a bit of magic happens because you know what, you kept the promise and, um, I think as a marketing organization, keeping the promise is more important than advertising on a given digital channel or um, or what necessarily our spend allocation is. All the the technical, quantitative, performance side of marketing, which is you know core to our programs, but it's all for nothing if you don't keep the promise. And so I think you know, getting every bit of that experience right. And by the way, I'm not saying we've gotten every bit of it right. I'm just saying that's the, the ambition and the goal. Right. I think when you want to get the growth flywheel going, um, as you refine that and refine that, the order comes a little faster. The items are a little bit nicer. They're wrapped in the proper way. They're priced a little bit better. That just creates this very positive cycle. And, 
you know, when people get a great deal and they and something sparks a little excitement, they brag about it. You know, I think this month alone will have upwards of 15 million organic impressions on Instagram. Those are just from um, customers who are organically posting about ThreadUp. So, wow. um, you know, those are positive indications, especially if that's growing and not shrinking, that we're keeping the promise. And so I think that's that's at the, at the heart of what we do. And then you can do all the other fancy stuff from there because if customers keep coming back, you, you actually have the the margins and the and the repeat rates to justify spending money on marketing. Yeah, absolutely. Those 15 million organic impressions from people posting all around the world about this. I mean, I, and I assume there are some ways in which you're amplifying it, but well, that's the question. What what are, what are some of the ways in which which the the business is taking advantage of that groundswell and uh, perhaps amplifying the experience to say like, hey, don't don't take it from us, take it from these other folks, because that's a quite a it's quite a lofty number of well views, <laughs> eyeballs. So, you know, so one of the things we've that, that we've learned over the years is it's amazing what customers will tell you if you just ask them, you know. So in in um, earlier this this year, we launched something called the Fashion Footprint Calculator. And this is a, a like a, a little quiz online where you can go in just in a minute or two, find out your fashion footprint score and learn ways that you can either shop or change your behavior to become essentially a more sustainable shopper. And where, where this came from, and, and hundreds of thousands of people took the survey. Um, Emma Watson of Harry Potter fame was so excited about it that she posted about it on Instagram, which you know blew us away when that kind of thing happens. Sure, uh, I bet. <laughs> it's, really, it's really exciting. Um, but, what the, but where that, the, but the genesis of that was, was that, the vast majority of of uh, women we polled about how they shop said, you know, I know um, I'm, you know, not necessarily making the right decisions, you know, for for my wallet, for the environment, for my community. And honestly, I'm not really sure what to do to get better. And so what we, you know, when we sort of, when that came through in the research, we said, well, let's, let's help them. Let's create something that's, that's shareable, that's fun to take that we can all relate to that's that's visual and bright and exciting and 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 let's answer the question and so i think we try to do um we try to do things like that that get right to the kind of the core things that our customers care about and questions that may not necessarily be like in the front of their mind like i think very few of us wake up in the morning and we think what can we do to be more sustainable today or what can we do to you know um it, it, you know, so, but it's in the back of their mind. And I think those, those sort of nagging questions that are in the back of consumers' minds, if we can coax them out and then they start to make the connection between thread up and the role we play in their everyday spending in life, such that we're like almost giving them a little bit of, you know, mental relief. And we're saying, oh, I get, I get the, the role thread up can play in my life. Cause I, I don't want consumers to think of thread up as a secondhand clothing company. I want them to think of a company that's helping them live, you know, a better, more thoughtful life. You know, like we can't, you know, we're not curing disease here. So I think we, we try to keep it in, in, um, uh, in perspective, but if we can help consumers do a little better and we can, um, make it easy for them, we think that's a great way to build a 10, 20, 30, 40 year 
generational business. And um, to me, that's more powerful than being thought of as a company that's trying to, you know, stuff clothing into your closet. In fact, in some ways, we're a company that's trying to pull clothing out of your closet, you know, so that we can put it to good use, put it to better use, put it in the hands of others and keep this kind of circular satisfaction going between consumers where they save money, where they feel like they're doing the right thing and where it's easy, you know? And so I think that's all, um, you know, that that's the kind of like relationship we're trying to build with customers and how the, how the marketing comes in at certain points to, to connect those, those dots. Right. Well, I, I think that that's a really good way of thinking about it. And obviously you want to have a long-term focus on it. So with that in mind, what are some of the newest ways that folks can be engaging with, with, with ThreadUp? And what are some of the newest things that you're bringing to market that you're excited about? So, yeah, so it's a couple things. So, you know, when we, when we, um, in the early days of the business, our thinking always was, you know, and, and this is still our core mission to, to inspire a new generation of shoppers to think secondhand first. And so we always thought that the ThreadUp website and app would be the way to do that. But what, what's, what sort of surprised us over time is that, you know, consumers, particularly younger, um, shoppers, you know, they, they don't need to be convinced to buy secondhand clothing product. Secondhand is, is second nature to them. They are, they're looking for deals. They don't want the guilt of, of having a, a negative impact on the environment. They also don't want to be seen on Instagram wearing the same thing twice, you know, so they, they have their, that consumer, you know, uh, instinct pulling at them and the pressure, frankly, of, of their presence on social that's saying to them, look good, look different, never be seen wearing the same thing. But at the same time, they're like, but I kind of want to do the right thing. And so it's amazing how um, what was once, you know, thrift is an idea that was anything but sexy. Now is sort of something that's, that's actually, you know, trending in a very, very positive way. And that message has gotten through to brands and retailers. And so, you know, we thought of ThreadUp being a platform that, you know, predominantly sold directly to our customers. But now, you know, ThreadUp product is in over 100 Macy's and JCPenney stores. It's in Madewell stores. It will be on scores of other um, of other retailers' websites in the coming quarters and years because those retailers are doing the research and they're seeing that their customers are saying to them, hey, if you had high quality secondhand branded apparel in your store, I would buy more from you. So we launched something, a service called Resale as a Service. We call it RAS, of course. Um, and it's essentially the way in which ThreadUp not just provides amazing secondhand product through our channels, but where we power resale for for brands and retailers. And it has, it really was something that, that um, was a real result of sort of the, the consumer shift, retailers and brands seeing that shift, and then those folks coming to us and saying, hey, how do we participate in this? So we're really excited. Like any, you know, like any good product, you know, you need great distribution too. And so we're really excited about getting amazing secondhand product to all the places where consumers go. So, so it's convenient for them to buy, convenient for them to experience the product, trial the product. Um, and we think that has real advantages not just for us and, and, and our brand and getting more exposure instead of educating the consumer, but it's also driving younger shoppers into retail environments. It's 
It's bringing them in more often because we can refresh that product very frequently. So if you go to ThreadUp, we list literally hundreds of thousands of new products all the time. So, and we found that that, that freshness um, of new product in the ThreadUp feed is really exciting to people because they want to see if that amazing, I'll, bring, I'll go back to the DVF wrap dress. They want to see if that amazing DVF wrap dress and their size has, has shown up on ThreadUp because if it comes, they know there's only one of them and they want to grab it. And so that, that sort of product freshness is a, is a key part of making retail exciting and fun for consumers. And if you can make it a great deal and, um, and make customers feel good about the decision they're making, it's a, you know, it's a win-win all around. Absolutely. And that's cool too. To, to, so the distribution being the next sort of one of the next steps and uh, I'm sure getting, getting these big names on your side is, is going to be massively helpful for the business and, uh, and really lift you guys off. So that, that, that's awesome. Uh, I'm really glad to hear about that. And maybe given that, uh, given that experience that you've had, uh, this is what, this is the question I want to close with because uh, people listen to this show, they're from all walks of life, but typically they're, you know, they got to focus on marketing and they're either building a brand themselves, like as a sole proprietor, I, all the way up to CMOs and co-founders we have, uh, the, including our guests. Anyway, whole reason I say that. People are always looking to figure out how folks like them uh, or folks that they emulate are uh, becoming sort of better at what they do, um, creating more direct brands, creating more authentic relationships, um, creating better bonds between people and product and peers. So... My final question is within advice, which is just based on this seven-year journey that you've had with ThreadUp and including everything that's gotten you to this point, what sort of advice would you have for those folks who are just trying to build a slightly more authentic or perhaps purposeful or just genuine brand? It's a great question. Um, I, I guess I come at it from a couple different ways. Um, one is, I, as I think, you, you just have to have sort of bottomless curiosity about your customer and what they care about and you know what's going to compel them to take action and some of that is are is very functional it's 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 price it's convenience um some of it's more emotional it's um the tone you take and the role you play and whether the customer feels like you're on their side or not on their side whether they think you're transparent you know, or trying to um, sort, of, sort of trick them. Um, and I think we're in a, in a time when people are in information overload, whether it's their feed, their email box, um, that, you know, there, there's a lot coming at you. And I think organizations and companies and products that are seen as like a clear and transparent voice actually add value just by being that way. And, and, that, and I think that comes, that's built, I think, not by saying, um, hey, we're going to be clear and transparent. I think it, it, it has to start with the culture of the company to begin with. It has to start with internally how people manage failure, how people within an organization, whether it's a marketing team or an engineering team, or a data team, or a merchandising team, or a creative team, how they communicate with one another, the feedback they give each other, because as you, as the because the more transparent and direct they're being with each other, when they're faced with a choice for how to deal and respond to a customer, 
or even how to word something simple in a, in a customer service response, they'll get to an answer that's reflective of that because that's, that's just the DNA. And so I think um, whether you're building a big brand or a small brand, I think paying attention to the noise and the pressure of the world your customer's in and trying to qu quiet things down <laughs> for your customer can be very powerful. It can be very powerful. Well, uh, I thank you for the extremely detailed answer. Um, and, and one which, you know, gets away from some of the more stereotypical ones that I get, which sometimes I get ones that, that are just okay. But this was really, really excellent. Um, I'm, I'm excited to see where this goes. It compels me and listeners. I, I hope that through this episode, you've been like, Oh yeah, I've seen those polka dot bags. Oh yeah. I do have that thing in my closet. Oh yeah. I would like something for, for way less. That's nice. Uh, and check these guys out because uh, it's a really cool business model. And yeah, they're, they're turning something that didn't used to be so sexy. Well, pretty sexy. And uh, I think that it's got a lot of uh, room to, to, to grow and evolve, especially with everything we've heard today. So um, Anthony, for, for, for that, for everything else on the show, I, I can't thank you enough for coming on. Yeah. Thanks a lot, Adam. It was a lot of fun. Thank you so much to Anthony Marino from ThreadUp for joining the podcast today. Now I kind of want my own cashmere sweater. I'm going to go have a look. If you like this show, here's what you can do. Here's what would be a favor to me. Follow our LinkedIn page. All right. It's a showcase page called Authentic Influence Podcast. It's where all the episodes go up. It's where clips from the show go up. And it's also where you'll get updates for other things happening with the podcast, like maybe some live events happening later this year. We might just have some of those in the works. I'm on LinkedIn, obviously, personally as well, Adam Connor, and you can connect with me and share either through the page or through my profile what you want to hear more of, what you like or what you don't like. Finally, if you do feel so inclined, please leave a rating and review wherever you listen, iTunes, Google, Spotify, whichever. I'll be back again, y'all know the drill, in just a couple of days with another fantastic story about how a brand is mobilizing its masses to become more authentic each and every day. And until then, for Authentic Influence, I've been your host, Adam Connor, and you'll hear from me again next time.